Beats One is still a thing. Just kind of wanted to throw that out there. What's on that now? So I'm not an Apple Music subscriber, so I didn't know if you could listen to it without it. But then I opened iTunes for the Mac, and I forgot what kind of a mess that is. But you can listen is that, to it. Is there. that still is that still around too? It is, and I forgot how weird it was. Uh, where they still have like all these weird menus and stuff that's not very Mac like, but it's also like it's iTunes is it's kind of like like it, it's your it's like your digital hub, right? No, that 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 was that the Mac was the digital hub. <laughs> the Mac is what you plugged your that that for. Jobs had a good thing going with the four quadrant thing because he had that going for uh, consumer and pro products for desktop and laptops that fit easily into the four quadrants, and then he also had the uh, the digital digital hub strategy. So that was that was that was pretty good. But yeah, so Beats One is still a thing. That that's that's cool. Uh, worldwide, always on. Oh, is Pitbull on there? Is that is he he done a takeover yet? That's what that's called, right? A takeover? takeover. What does that mean? I, mean, I think you you're kind of like a um guest host of a station or of, of maybe an hour or something it's you know I, you've, you've seen this on instagram i'm sure where someone takes oh over like a story account. takeover sorry sure. I, i've just been watching sporty stories mm. he he okay let's let's pivot to positive things sporty's been crushing it this week because it's been very snowy in illinois and sporty the dog or sorry sporty underscore the dog he he does very very uh, elaborate instagram stories and he's got uh these little um doggy sneakers for the snow and he's pretty it's, it's pretty damn cute and also would... if you if you paid attention this uh, past weekend he had a um a bandana or like it's a yeah it's a bandana uh that said uh cancer fighter it's mm. pretty great He's a good boy, and he's making everybody. He just he just brings happiness wherever he goes. It'd be probably the one reason I'd move to a colder climate would mm-hmm. be so that we could get Branson those little booties. I'm sure you could do that now. It, mm. it gets it gets chilly and it gets wet. He could he could use the extra traction when he's just trying to um, be a be a chaotic ball of energy. <laughs> um, yeah. So 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 sporty is the best. That's good. Um, what else is there? Oh, there's kind of this is kind of this kind of uh, crosses over into uh, media stuff that we sometimes talk about. Uh, dog rates and the um, what's the what's the organization that ESPN is associated with that's um, looking for a, that's like a cancer charity? Uh, the, the Jimmy V Make Foundation. A Wish Foundation. No, no. The, oh, that yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they have a collaboration going right now, right? And a bunch of the ESPN hosts. Not, not I don't think on TV, but on social media and stuff, they're wearing uh, heck cancer T-shirts, which which is pretty good. That is good. I, I I appreciate that that account manages. I mean, because it's 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 a business, but he's not. He's he's uh, judicious in how he chooses to monetize the account. Where sometimes like dogs of Instagram and other social stuff that's related to animals gets a little eh, bark box and and like too it gets oddly commercial. Yeah, dog rates. Dog rates is is continuing to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have anything before we jump right into uh, belated follow up? No, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so hockey, hockey, mm. yeah. So I, I'm not a big hockey fan, but I do have one thing that I wanted to address that I'm not sure we've touched upon on the show that keeps coming up every couple of weeks on on the internet. Uh, I'm gonna make an unpopular opinion. I like gritty. 
I think he is. I think he's the weird mascot that hockey deserves as a sport. That's. I don't think that's a weird opinion. I think a lot of people kind of ironically like gritty, but it's not ironic. I think because uh, no, no ill will towards the, the the San Jose Sharks, but I mean, a Sharky is not a terribly novel uh, mascot. And but now this this orange guy who looks kind of like a. a sesame street cast off like he he seems pretty cool and that's that's cool and he's um is he is the philadelphia flyers is that a thing who yes. who is he is is he their mascot he is good okay he seems pretty cool yeah yeah i, I don't get the backlash or like when it, when it originally came out everybody was losing their mind and being like oh this this is this is so unpresidential or whatever the equivalent for hockey would be do we we've undoubtedly talked about this on the show I'm, i don't think I'm we have sure I've, uh, no not gritty specifically oh. but what i'm about to pivot into sure. which is uh the mascot that balmer introduced for the clippers the really scary looking condor oh i thought he was an eagle <laughs> no Cl- it's clippers uh, condor what is uh, what's the relationship there well co- uh, the clipper is like a clipper ship and so i don't so, know so scary birds i <laughs> right Mm-hmm. Los Angeles Clippers unveil Chuck the California Condor. <laughs> Chuck, that's right. Oh, Chuck, like from Breaking uh, from Better Call Saul, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, geez. But you know, I, there was a little bit of backlash initially with uh, this Condor or Chuck, as you would call him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think that mascots should be weird. Mascots shouldn't be taken too seriously. Yeah, like like Lucille. Like, what what is that even? But he's fun when he, when he's out there at the Giants race and he he's dancing around doing stuff. Like, it's fun. I don't think. Are there any mascots that people would say are like really really cool or like serious? The well, not serious, but the one that's like really cool is the Denver mascot of Den- Denver Nuggets mascot. Okay. Of the NBA. I'm completely unaware. Let's he, see. You have to look up some YouTube videos. He does a lot of really cool, like, slam dunks. And, like, we went to a game in Denver last year, and he did this, um, like, kind of gymnastics routine during one of the breaks where he walked across, like, a high beam thing. It, he's, he's just a very entertaining mascot. Okay. I like it. Rocky. He's pretty cool. Rocky, yeah, good name too. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know De- Denver and you know. The oh, ha. didn't even put that together. <laughs> uh, a little known fact: uh, Mitt Romney, the mascot of the Utah Jazz. Mm, yeah, little known fact. That's a uh, senator Mitt Romney to you now, though. <laughs> not, uh, hashtag not my senator. Um, ESPN uh, from an article of uh, Clippers unveil. Um, Chuck the Condor mascot, semicolon owner Stephen uh, Steve Ballmer dunks. Um, uh, Chuck is gray with a pink head and a large blue nose. He wears a Clippers cape and a red, white, and blue helmet. It's like us. It used to be extinct, and now it's coming back. Coach Doc Rivers said. That's. I think he's he's forcing a metaphor a bit too much. But hmm. did the Clippers ever come back? Didn't they have a good run for two years, maybe three years ago, and then? They lost, or like a good player they had, uh, ended up getting injured all the time. Well, so the Clippers are kind of an interesting story, if you want to go down this road here. Um, Sure. 
they had a lot of talent on the team there for a handful of years, but they were a really unlikable team because the players didn't like each other. There was this kind of just general culture around the team where they argued with the officiating even more so than a regular NBA team does, which then also made them kind of unpopular with other players in the league. And while, you know, they made the playoffs almost every year and had generally had a pretty good regular season record, they were just super unlikable. And now the team doesn't really have any of those star players anymore, but they're super likable, super fun. And I think they're in in some ways like a, a better team, not talent wise, but just entertainment wise. And the Clippers have kind of had an interesting handful of years. Are Clippers tickets dramatically cheaper than Lakers tickets, or is it? Yeah, they they are. Okay, well that's that's a huge plus. I mean, for 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 LA uh, folks that like basketball, I mean that that's a that's a big plus. But wait, so who is there? Is is it Blake Griffin or who is there? Who is their really famous guy from a couple of years ago? Yeah, Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan. That was their big three, as you would say. But is, doesn't Chris Paul play for one of the Midwest teams now? He he plays for the Houston Rockets now. Got he it. went from the Clippers to the Rockets. Got it. Got it. All right. Now that we've lost everybody, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, hockey. It's 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 a thing. Uh, you went to an Amazon Go store. I did. Mm-hmm. I did. Um, it's pretty neat. Um, I kind of had an experience that I wasn't expecting, which was, you know, when I walked by the store. I was only going to go in if there was no wait. I was I was not going to stand in a line or anything. And not only was there not a line, but there were actually more employees in the store than there were customers. A lot of employees. What time of day was this? This was early in the morning. So this was a little after 8 o'clock, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really need to buy anything or anything. And it was totally impromptu. I just walked by it and was like, oh, yeah, this thing is open now. Like I didn't even have the app or anything on my phone, so I had to download that. That makes a really good first impression. You, this was I think your first comment to me is the little intro video is very well done. Um, really cool little feature that obviously I didn't get to try, but you can actually scan in multiple people, and then the tracking system knows that you're all together and will add whatever those other people take to your total, which I thought is a pretty neat little concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I walked around for 10, 15 minutes, just kind of looking around at stuff. Um, a lot of Whole Foods items, which I thought was pretty interesting. That's weird. They had, yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I'm just kidding. Oh, well, I, I mean, I guess I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know if Amazon had gone full on like cross brand like that yet, but. Well, it's for like they, it for infrastructure of getting um, fresh food around. That probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's true. They had the Amazon, I don't know what they call this. I think it, is it just Amazon Meals or something? But it's like kind of their, you know, recipe delivery system thing. Do they have one of those yet? I thought they were always just threatening to do one. Yeah, well, it, it's it's not like a full, I don't think they have the thing where it's like a full week's menu, but you can go into these Amazon Go stores. I don't know if you can get these online too, but it's basically just like a box. And you, I don't know how much cooking is involved, but you... You put you do some amount of prep, and they had like four or five options of like these like single meals. They were really really expensive. They were I think like close to twenty bucks a piece, and I I think it was like 
you know, meant for two people, but struck me as being a little pricey. Mm -hmm. And it stood out even more because the rest of the store was actually pretty reasonably priced. So that was kind of like the one outlier that I saw price-wise. Um, selection was really good. They kind of have like a little bit of everything. The aesthetic of the store is really nice, although it's crazy when you look up at the ceiling because it's like there's <laughs> there's kind of like no roof. It's like literally just all sensors and cameras. Wait, what? Um, Did you take a yeah, picture? Yeah, it's like... It, I, I didn't take a picture. I should have, but it's just, it's very odd because you, you know, if your line of vision is just like looking straight ahead or to the side or down or whatever, it looks like a totally nice, normal, clean grocery store. But then like you look up and it's like the ceiling is higher than usual, but that's because kind of below the ceiling, there's like literally just this array of cameras and sensors. And like, you almost like can't even see past those. They're also closely packed in together yikes um but it you know ultimately worked completely as advertised i i didn't try the thing where like i picked something up and put it back but (laughs) (laughs) um i did walk around a ton if it messes up like do you get your food for free or something like i don't know yeah i don't know i mean there were certainly enough employees there who could have you know Mm -hmm. answered my question you should have tried to hand something to somebody yeah that'd been good well, no, the uh, intro video actually says, like, explicitly, it says, like, here's two things you can't do, one of which is don't hand something to somebody else, because uh, it breaks because the system. Because it would... Got it. Um, but yeah, I ended up just buying a just can of sparkling water, and about 30 seconds after I left the store, got the little push notification on the app with the receipt, and that was it. So pretty, pretty neat. So you think the selection and everything is overall pretty good? Because from the outside, it looks the store looks pretty small. I haven't had a chance to go in yet. Yeah, that was, I guess, the other thing that I meant to comment on is it does look small from the outside and even seems kind of small when you initially walk in, but they really do have a little bit of everything. It's I mean, it's no Safeway or anything, but um, yeah, I actually, I thought the selection was was quite good. And it was a good combination of fresh food, like freshly made food, and then also, you know, the small little frozen section, all that stuff. So, yeah. Okay. Honestly, while 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 you're on the subject of uh, you trying things, you also got to experience CarPlay recently, I believe. Yeah, we when we were in San Diego for the Thanksgiving break, our rental car surprisingly had CarPlay. Um, it was totally not expecting that because uh, we you know we just kind of got the cheapest car we could, but yeah, it ended up being this. I think it was the Hyundai Santa Fe. Ooh. And uh yeah, had CarPlay and Android Auto. And I yeah, had never used CarPlay before and was just top to bottom super super impressed. You, you know, just literally plug your phone in, there's no setup. Once your phone's plugged in, the car is just like, "Hey, you want to use CarPlay?" You click the little button and it's just it's a really really good experience. Um the, the best part, I think, being you can kind of seamlessly go back and forth between your phone and the CarPlay interface, which I guess I had kind of assumed that this would be like what Ford used to do, where if you had your phone connected to the old sync system and you had a supported app like Pandora running, you literally couldn't do anything on your phone. You had to completely interface with your car. And if you're moving, there's some obvious safety advantages to doing that. But like the really cool thing with CarPlay is 
like with something like Google Maps, you could, you know, search for your address, get it all teed up. And then when you plug it into CarPlay, you can just instantly say, okay, you know, start, start navigation based on what you had been previously doing on the phone. Um, and it we had a, a touchscreen interface on on the car that we had, and that was all really responsive and everything. So yeah, it's 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 pretty cool that with simply plugging your phone in via USB, you can take over a car's interface and have this nice you know iOS looking interface that was super responsive. Um, yeah, kind of kind of made me wish that um, that the Tesla had CarPlay. Cool. Um, did you, well, I assume you already had it cause you were traveling with it, but you had to provide your own USB cable, right? Like it wasn't wireless CarPlay. It needed to be plugged in through USB. It, it needed to be plugged in uh, via USB. Yeah. CarPlay for all its faults. Like, I mean, like, I mean, I like, well, actually I shouldn't say it has too many faults, but like it, it's pretty all right. I think you're, you're lucky in the sense that you, you were able to uh, not have to live with it for like 15 months without Google maps and having to rely on Apple maps exclusively. But, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. And Overcast has a CarPlay app, right? It does. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't use that. I, I really just used Pandora and Google Maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those those were both. Uh, well, the, the Pandora app froze a couple of times. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. Yep, every <laughs> um, day. Uh huh. But Google Maps was was really solid. Yeah. Oh, good Google Maps. Uh, cool. All right. Um, and then real quick, you threw something in here. You wanted to bring up the blue wave again. Actually, well, so I guess we should say that the, the maybe the reason why you bring this up is that um, there were a lot of unsettled uh, house races when we last recorded two weeks ago. Because um, we recorded on the 5th. Actually, oh God, it's the 28th. No, we didn't. On the 14th. But there were still a number of unsettled house races where now I think there's just one contested uh, race in like the eastern part of California and otherwise it's either 39 or 40 seats that the uh the Democrats picked up in the house. Yeah, but my understanding today is there was a a bunch of votes that came in from the more Republican leaning side of the district and it actually ended up expanding the Democrats lead. So I think that race while technically not called is is basically done and that the Democrats are going to end up at an even 40 seat pickup. So, so you're do, um, you're doing a race projection right now on the show? Uh huh. Yeah, I, I you know the technically correct can officially um, call. What what do they say when they're on the air? Just yeah, you're calling project. The yeah, you're, yeah, you're like our Steve Kornacki at the big board. That's right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And no, I guess the reason I wanted to bring it up was, I guess I don't actually ever recall an election like this where the consensus from election night is kind of one thing, which I think at the time was, yeah, Democrats did well, but they kind of lost a lot of these key races and, you know, maybe disappointed a little bit versus, you know, here we are a few weeks later. And once all the votes have been tallied up, they've actually done really, really well. Yeah, just I don't remember that happening before. And I guess I, a, a big part of that seems to be California, particularly Southern California, used to be pretty Republican, at least on the House side. And California is just so damn slow with counting votes. But because it's been so lopsidedly Republican, it like hasn't really 
mattered as much. But now that a lot of these districts were super, super close and actually went for Democrats this time around, you know, the the margin mattered a lot more. So counting every vote and having those incremental votes really matter happened this time. And again, the result itself flipped. So the the narrative kind of changed. So just a this kind of an interesting, interesting situation to be in. Yeah, well, I mean, like, so, like, California has 40 million people. Like, I, I think the vote tallies do take a bit of time just because we have so many different voting precincts and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, Southern California specifically, where, um, generally, I mean, like, yeah, Orange County down to San Diego, there was, there were, and especially the eastern parts of the state, there are a lot of, um, that was the one place where, on a state that most people see as exceedingly blue, um, Generally, there was some um, Republican uh, representation for them, especially in um, the two seats that cover Orange County. Um, have typically always been extremely like who, which which district does Dana Rohrbacher? Did he formerly? That was the California Forty Eight. Which was that? Is that like the Yorba Linda, like northern, like Anaheim like the, area, the, the coast? Oh, he's the Lagoon Lagoon Niguel guy. Laguna yeah. Beach, yeah. Got it. Yeah, like I I think that's part of it. But yeah, you're right where generally you get uh, it through most elections you generally get a good sense of how things are going to shake out where there was a lot more ambiguity and and um stuff left to find out even weeks later. So yeah, interesting. Uh are you a, a never Pelosi or what's what's your what's your opinion? Uh, no, I, I'm I'm not a never Pelosi. I think I think Pelosi's done really well and should be speaker. Yeah. So how do you think that's going to shake out with um, the more progressive wave of uh, new candidates that think that think there needs to be fresh blood and all this kind of stuff, and they're they're going to try to um, do the Republicans' work for them to to try to. No, well, she won that. She won that initial vote today well, but, so but there was no opposition like... and there were still like 38 people that voted against her so she still needs to do some uh, power maneuvering to get the votes which she's already started doing but yeah it, it's it seems it seems like it'll shake out her way yeah. which it should <laughs> i don't i don't really i i haven't i haven't heard a great alternative fair but yeah yeah i, I don't, I don't want to talk politics today so i'll just say fair and, and seed <laughs> Oh, uh, let's let, let's let's talk about some fun T word stuff. It's been a while. Hmm. Okay. So did I you, didn't know we still did that here. I, I I didn't either. But you know, sometimes you have to go back to your roots and you have to rediscover mm. what what made what what yeah what makes uh, a bill a bill. <laughs> um, I'm I'm very tired today. I'm sorry. Um, blah, Microsoft market cap. So a couple of days ago, so Mar- Apple has had a really 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 bad month. Uh, I think down 20%, and um, I believe Microsoft is still has a higher market cap than uh, Apple uh, after all the uh, hullabaloo two months ago about Apple being the first trillion-dollar company after um, a number of, one, like just general economic pressure and tech taking it the hardest, and also rumors of the iPhone XR not being a good seller and kind of maybe the... Um, lack of um confidence that the whole uh unit number sales projection or sales reporting uh maybe put on the stock in the company uh yeah if oddly a company that everybody thinks is is over with and stick a fork in it uh microsoft 
competing like competing with and beating Apple uh, for overall market cap. Well, don't forget about the president of the United States threatening to slap a 10% tariff on their number one selling product. What's that? Is it headphone dongles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, related, did you see that... Uh, uh, did you know that China has a 40% uh, tariff on uh, Tesla models? I had heard that there were steep tariffs and until the news... This week, there I have not go. followed them very closely. Oh, what what, what news are you talking about? The, just that at Tesla had to, I think, respond to some of the sales criticism criticism over there, and I think they ended up cutting some prices. I I, I don't made I don't I don't follow Tesla that broadly, but uh, so like year over year, sales sank seventy percent due to uh, the tariffs making those cars prohibitively expensive for many many people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the Apple stuff. Uh, you 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 brought up when when I put this in the in the ideas folder that uh, the iPhone XR rumors and this kind of stuff about oh it's not selling as well or they're up the supply chain in Asia is suggesting that um, the models will flop. That much of this echoes what happened with the iPhone X um, almost exactly a year ago. So why why do you think it's the exact same this time or do you think there are differences in the story here? I just don't think these supply chain stories are very reliable just because there's a track record, a proven track record, including what I brought up online, offline earlier from exactly a year ago, which is we heard nothing but iPhone 10 uh, sales being weak and that suppliers were dramatically cutting back their orders. And Apple had a tremendously successful fiscal year. Um, so there just, there just isn't any, any evidence that these supply chain stories are really indicative of anything. I mean, it, it could, I mean, I feel like we're probably rehashing a lot of what we said at this time last year, but it's entirely true, or it could be entirely true that some of these suppliers are slashing their forecasts, but we don't know what those forecasts are. We don't know if, if these companies were just internally being too optimistic or, something that I think is also quite possible, which is Apple as a way of trying to ensure that they have the capacity that they need over uh, orders on capacity and then just kind of scales it back as it actually sees results coming through because they would much rather be in that position than be in a position where they're just simply not able to make enough of a particular product. So I just, I just think there's a lot, there's a lot of context that's missing with these stories and until we actually see something reflected in Apple's financials that kind of corroborates what we're seeing here, I just there's just kind of a whole lot of nothing here, I think. But will we ever know that? Because oh, again, we totally, we'll know. We totally so, like, will. But if, if they're not breaking down unit numbers, then how will we know? Because if because if Apple because if Apple earnings come in lower than what they're forecasting, then it it seems pretty clear cut that what we're seeing early on here with with supply is is directly correlated to those results right well, i mean well, I, I get, what, what if what if their asp and their total iphone uh segment revenues are buoyed by the fact that they are selling 1300 10s maxes and they're not moving any of the mid-range phones and the upgrade cycle slowing down that doesn't really give you a good frame of reference for that though 
Well, but I mean, there was just the quotes from Apple today talking about how the iPhone XR has been the most successful. Well, yeah, or but the, but, the but most... that that whole that number was bullshit though, because he he it, those the statement that uh, Jawswiak made, like what what exactly was it? Um, I can't find it, but anyway, like he said, he said basically that uh, the in the month of November, the iPhone XR was their best selling model. Well, of course, because it's a product that you release two months later, and that doesn't actually mean anything. Just so you're saying it's the best selling model right now in its launch month, and you forecasted to sell way more of them, like that that those that doesn't actually fight the uh, that doesn't negate what has been reported. I don't know. I I just. I, it's it's probably my Apple bias here, but like uh, against the company, just because I, I think the iPhone line is kind of like mismanaged and it's it's just weird in a lot of ways, and I, and I I kind of object to how expensive the product line is becoming. Like I don't, it kind of it kind of feels true. I mean, I guess all I'm saying is until we see something in the numbers that Apple reports, there just really hasn't been many examples of where these kind of rumor stories have ended up being true and it, it it's totally the opposite of like what we see with product leaks where there's now a completely proven track record from the last three four years where you know starting around i don't know march april ish or maybe a little earlier even we start to hear rumors about what the next iphone's going to be a month or two later we start to see some renderings um, and some like exact, you know, measurements of what the phones are going to be like, there's a, there's a very predictable pattern to those leaks. And then they end up getting corroborated in September when the products are actually announced. This has just been the opposite where these, these supply chain stories just haven't really, uh, panned out. I don't think. Well, so, so two, those two final questions or follow-up points. Like, so let me ask, do you think that it's bad news for Apple or bad for the product line overall? If the iPhone XR or the mid-range model is a poor seller, no. Why? Like, um, it just like if we're just saying that Apple, sure, total revenue is fine, but they're selling fewer iPhones, but they're selling more of the high-end iPhones. Like, I, I, I like how how is that still good news or um, neutral news for the product line? Well, I guess I I, I could re- maybe rephrase or. Um kind of give a little bit more of a nuanced answer i think as long as total iphone sales are continuing to increase even if that number is increasing relatively slowly then the mix of products i don't think necessarily matters a ton well what if total units is going down then that 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 is a problem because that has impacts to apple's other lines of revenue namely their services revenue which has obviously (laughs) been you know, the the main focus of them because it's been kind of the main focus of their investors. You know, they I think Apple obviously, you know, kind of relies on having their iOS install base continue to grow in order to have a larger um base to to sell subscriptions to. So so yeah, I mean that would that would definitely be a problem. Yeah, I'm like I, I think that's fair. Like that that's the one thing that worries me about this where if the rumors are true, and I think this, the second point I was going to make is that there actually is a fairly credible Wall Street Journal report um, where Apple is having to offer sales incentives or somehow subsidize the um, already sold inventory of iPhone XRs because it's not selling well over there. I, I do think that even if Apple on the whole is doing fine on total iPhone revenue because they're moving the ASP and they're selling these really expensive phones, but they're selling them in fewer numbers. 
like that does seem like an overall negative like we're just like you said where like for the entire ecosystem of both uh people who are going to purchase um uh related apple products or uh, have subscription revenue come from that purchase if they're selling fewer of them or people are holding on to their old products later because they think only the really expensive thing is the thing they would really want but they for psychological reasons or or budgetary reasons they don't want to do that like that that's not that good for apple no but i I think what apple's also doing especially in this most recent cycle is they're just they're kind of just experimenting like right like last year they kind of only had the expensive iphone 10 as being their newest and greatest phone now this year they've got three different phones with the 10s the 10s max and the 10r where it's three different price points for phones that you could kind of all make an argument for being kind of the top of the line iPhone currently available. And that's that's a good thing. I think Apple probably is still feeling a little stung from being super slow to the larger screen size um, market. And I think that was a lesson for them that having this monolithic view of what the iPhone should be just isn't what people want with a smartphone. And so I, th- I think they're in this mode still where they're they're kind of just experimenting and they're kind of waiting to see how the market responds to having all of these these different choices. And there's going to be you know there's going to be some guesswork involved in what ends up being the the most popular product. Like on the Mac side, you know, as many people have pointed out, I'm sure it was not Apple's plan to have the MacBook Air be their most popular laptop and having that stick around and ultimately having to refresh that product again. But oh, that's, well, luckily you know, they're still selling it. So customers do have choice. So, yeah, I mean, so yeah, that that's, that's, you know, that's what Apple's is going to learn, I think is. Well, but, but uh, what I would just say is like, it, it, so you're making a really rational point where Apple is providing very similar features in a lot of different price points based off what's important to the customer. But do you think their marketing and in-store message really reflects that with the 10 R? Because like the marketing with that product is not, it's almost as good as the 10s. Like it's basically the same product. It's just cheaper materials. Like, I guess I'm not seeing what Apple's pushing with the 10R. Like, I don't think they're communicating the product lineup as clearly as you are. The one, the one ad that I see run fairly often is that they're emphasizing the colors. And but, the, the, but that's the same thing as 5C and that did not move some 5Cs. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, I don't, I don't remember if we talked about this online online or online offline but trying to explain to people that we know who are looking to buy an iphone like which iphone to get is it's really hard because you're really like it because it it comes down to preference of how big you want the screen to be which is a hundred percent subjective there's you know there's no right answer there and then (laughs) trying to explain like both the difference between LCD and OLED, and then also the difference between having one lens versus two lens in the, the rear camera. That's just, it's hard to do when you're talking to someone who's just not, you know, plugged into this stuff the way that we are. I mean, shoot, I, I get confused between which phone has what and kind of have to remind myself before, you know, answering these types of questions well, from yeah. other people. Because you, you, you need a PhD to know what super retina versus liquid retina is. <laughs> exactly. But like, yeah. I, so yeah, but I, I think that's the thing where Apple's not clearly expla- explaining that either. Because it, 
because they don't want to, to kneecap the any sales success that the 10s and the 10s max has so even though they staggered the release i'm going to say 95 percent chance intentionally to maximize the number of people that were going to buy that one before they released the mid-range model with almost the same feature set but that's not how they're selling it and i'm not sure colors are really speaking to people because like tons of people like colors if the 10s had colors i think it would sell even more like i just I'm concerned for for how that's how that's being marketed. Like I don't know because it's a really good model. I think that that's muddled with mixed messaging and also the fact that no matter what, just because the 10s exists, they're going to think, oh yeah, well this is this is the cheap one, and that I think psychologically for a lot of people would be like, oh well, I guess maybe I'll just wait until I'll hold on to this one longer because I don't really want to buy the cheap mid range one. I always wanted the best, and most people would reasonably think in the past that a $750 phone was kind of the best. You know, the other thing about the 10R that you really can't tell until you you hold one, which I, I did for the first time mm-hmm. a week or two ago, it's a great size. Mm. Um, you, I know you might disagree, but I I actually think that 6.1-inch screen is a really nice middle ground between what we, I guess, now consider a standard size iPhone versus something like the 10s Max and... I don't know if this is because of the screen technology or because of the 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 back of the phone or what, but it's incredibly light, like almost almost like which which iPhone was it? Like the iPhone five that was like strangely, yeah, I think it was like from the four S to the five, or like the five got way lighter, and it was like yes. you held one, and it was like. Oh my god! I'm gonna like snap this thing in half. So, so well, people did. So hold on, let, let me rephrase this real quick. Uh, or like, because that's a very good point. But I'm, I want to rephrase it. it. It feels less dense. Yes. Which I think is a really good feeling because that's the one thing about the ten. Like, because I, I like the way the ten and the ten S feel. I don't like I, I don't like Face ID for other reasons, so I won't get one. But like, I like the way it feels. But on a day to day basis, it feels dense. Where you kind of like, I, I always felt like I was gonna drop it. And, and and break it where the 10r like it feels kind of hollow sort of but it's it's a still a good feeling it doesn't feel like solid's the wrong word but it just doesn't feel as dense as the 10s and in a lot of ways that's that's actually a good thing right and and the screen bezel being slightly uh thicker whatever like a lot of that if you aren't looking at it directly next to another phone it's a very very nice phone and it comes in pretty colors and the yellow and the coral's beautiful um and the red looks great but i mean yeah and the, the bezels on the 10s and the 10s max aren't exactly tiny either so i yeah that's yeah that's not a big difference um one thing i would say to a comment that you just made about face id man if, if apple in the next generation of iphones makes face id as good on those mm-hmm. as it is on these new ipad pros mm-hmm. then you know they've they've got something there because man face id on the new ipad pro is just really really freaking good or conversely it's not very good on the phone maybe but like i I think that's maybe selling it a little short on the ipad like i had something the other day when i was when i was traveling where i you know flipped open the the smart folio and was like kind of rotating the ipad as i did that and Face ID worked even though I was like in the process of rotating the screen from portrait to landscape. Like that's that's really good. Well, it, that's exactly right. But like so so well to give credit to the iPad Pro. Let, let me let me clarify. The, the Face ID works as it should on the iPad Pro, and it doesn't on the phone. Correct. Yeah. 
Because Face ID is an amazing technology, but the reason why I couldn't deal with it is that if you have it on a desk or you're lying down and like there's a pillow behind you, like it just can't deal with those types of situations, which means if you have an even halfway decent password on your phone, you're going to have to end up entering your password a couple of times a day. And that's the kind of thing where just like on the iPad Pro, um, it, 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 it isn't that way. It works exactly as you'd expect it to. Mm-hmm. So it seems like that's something that they could they could fix or improve on. I'm I'm sure they will. They'll get the uh the the faster the faster what the algorithms or whatever. Yeah, a lot of horseshit. Um <laughs> yeah, so, so so next year's iPhone tennis uh, uh, uh formatic GLK uh will be the one that has the good face ID. Right. Cuz you know Phil Schiller loves his fast cars. Mm-hmm. Uh let's Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a choice. Do you want to talk about uh, Amazon stuff, or do you want to talk about um, direct to consumer stuff? I want to talk about some Amazon stuff because you you have some some thoughts on the uh, Echo Spot, which you've been putting a lot of pressure on me to purchase. Yeah, you still haven't gotten one though. It's kind of I know it was like it was actually you said it was going to be like a hundred bucks. Actually, ended up going down like ninety bucks. Yeah. So do you, but no, I just come on. I just, you know, it just, uh, I just don't think that has a spot because I don't, where would I put it? It does have a spot because it's called Echo Spot. Come on. <laughs> oh, fair. Oh, well, I, said, I, I, walked, I walked into that one. <laughs> you, you walked in and the lights turned right on. Um, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. So, yeah, so the Echo, Echo Spot is good, but actually we'll talk about this Google Home Hub that's uh, mm. sitting next to me. But Is that on the, is that on the stump? No, it's not on the stump. The stump is uh, on the other side of the couch. This this one's sitting on my, on my desk next to the uh, Corginus logo, Snow Globe. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so the Echo Spot's pretty great. But yeah, um, so actually a few things. Black Friday weekend and Cyber Monday seemed very, very focused on, like, actually for the past few years, Amazon's been leaning super hard uh, into using those shopping days as a way to... Um, uh, kind of force the Echo family products into people's lives. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> like, I don't know, like, I mean, obviously we don't know what, the, especially a Bezos chart will never tell us, but um, what Amazon's cost to manufacture on these, because, geez, they, they for like three days, had the, um, they they pulled an apple. They're, they're calling the Echo Dot the all-new Echo Dot to specify the new one. Uh, but yeah, that one, which is uh, replaced the old Echo Dot, at $50 uh, was $25 for most of the weekend. Um, so they're basically just giving it away. Um, so that's interesting. And then for the Echo Spot, the the best Echo uh, with the little circular screen on it, that one was $40 off uh, for $89. And that was pretty cool. But yeah, so the thing is, and I actually don't know how new this is because like with the Echo Spot, even though it's a great Echo, wow, well, I'm saying that word a lot. Um, you don't actually end up interacting with the screen all that much just because when it first came out, there wasn't a whole lot you would do on the screen. You would basically just either um, uh, like dim the brightness or you can use it to swipe um, uh, from the bottom to the top to turn off the alarm and stuff like that. But now um, you can actually use it to initiate and control. Um, are they called echo routines or are they just called routines? I think they're just called routines. Yeah. So to to do routines and also to do um, uh, light and like smart home uh, device control by touch instead of voice, that is now available, which is actually pretty cool. 
I didn't know uh, when that feature came out, but just when mess with messing around um, with the one on my nightstand, uh, it it's it's cool that that stuff's there. So yeah, so that's another reason people should um, give that one a try because yeah, the, the Echo and all these Home Assistant things get better with a screen because they add like a level of um, like just a window into what it's doing versus having to ask everything by voice in the same way that you and I, when you were trying to convince me to do, to get the uh, harmony elite where you were like, Oh yeah, the, the echo integration is cool, but um, you're only, you're not really interacting with the, with the device that much. You're actually doing a whole bunch of it on the remote itself. Like it's a cool value add where that's kind of the way this feels. Yeah, but I guess like watching TV specifically to me feels like a very specific use case where predominantly controlling with your voice is just not a great experience. Most of the use cases I would envision for something like the Echo Spot or the Google Hub, which maybe we can get into next as well, those use cases, a screen feels a little superfluous to me. Like, yeah, okay, maybe it's neat to be able to kick off a routine via the screen instead of with your voice but i have a couple routines that i have set up with the the lady in a can and using those with my voice is perfectly fine and i'm not really sure how a screen would would improve anything there yeah i mean i've I've made the case in general and this has nothing to do with routines because i've actually never set one up i don't know how how to use them um yeah just like everything else with the um, amazon app doing any kind of configuration in there is Kind of, kind of bewildering. Yeah, it's so the, bad for a for a company that seems to want this product to succeed so much. How can they not hire like four iOS developers to write a native app? Or they just also need to completely rethink the whole skills thing. Like the the concept is good, but the execution of how skills are installed and how they're configured is it's a total mess. And they don't have good curation in the store. Like it's like it's like a hey, fart jokes is right next to like the Logitech Harmony skill. Like, it's just like there's no accounting to taste and quality in that thing. Right. I, I mean, I, I think, I think I don't know, this is another thing I may have said online, online, or just online, offline. If I didn't have that fancy iPhone, Apple Watch stand thing that I have that I spent too much money on, mm-hmm. then the Echo Spot might have a spot next to my bed. But because I have that and because I'm pretty content with having the apple watch in nightstand mode be my alarm and everything they're just there's not another place in the house where i i'd put something like a, a echo spot or a google but there, hub but, well so there's an easy solution which is one the, the the echo spot's home is in the kitchen um because it is the absolute perfect kitchen timer device um among other things but also like you could just not use the nightstand mode thing like it's just it's it's a very different it's it's just a different thing. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah. You should, hmm. uh, some somehow one needs to happen upon it inside your home, and then and you'll 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 see the light. <laughs> uh, I don't know how that would work, but I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's really really good in the kitchen. Um, but yeah, so that that that's cool, and that's uh, it's interesting that Apple for or so Apple Amazon for like the third year in a row has been leaning just so so darn heavily on on trying to get these into everybody's house um before we get into the google home hub the only other echo thing i think we have here is that you can now link your pandora premium account um to use it as a third-party music service to um 
call up any song you want to listen to, which meh. Yeah, the the Pandora skill before was neat, but only if you wanted to use it for radio. So yeah, so if you ever wanted to ask for a specific song or playlist, which you can obviously now do in the app with Pandora Premium, you couldn't do that through the Lady in a Can integration. And I, I use probably the Pandora integration more than just about anything else with these uh, Sonos One speakers that, it, that we've got set up in the house. So I'm, I'm very happy to, to have the full uh, premium feature set now. Yeah. And then now you can also integrate Skype with it. So neat. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, we can report the we pod. Should, we, yeah, we should do the pod over Skype or over uh, the, uh, the Sonos speakers now. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. You know, and it'll sound just like an ESPN podcast. <laughs> yeah, probably. Boom, roasted. Um, all right. So that's mostly it. Okay. So yeah. So that, I mean, so the Echo, pretty good. I will say. So I got, I, I got tempted. I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not a Black Friday shopper and that kind of stuff. Like I generally, price doesn't. Like I don't, I don't buy crap just because it's on sale but the one thing that did get me at least interested in giving uh something new a shot was that almost every retailer had um the new Google Home Hub which is kind of um in terms of size in between the Echo Show and the Echo Spot um had it for $50 off for a product that I thought was already pretty aggressively priced at 150 uh so it was $99 for the new Google Home Hub and I picked one up to give it a shot, and it's it's pretty great with um, a few asterisks. So I, I don't know, like I'm not a Google, like I don't live a very Google based lifestyle. Like I use Google Apps and um, meaning like Google Apps, like the, the the hosted Gmail suite and that kind of stuff. I sort of use Google Photos, but mainly only as a backup. My calendar for personal stuff actually lives inside of iCloud Calendar that I access through Fantastical. I don't actually use Google Calendar. So, like, it's a maybe less utility for me. But the one thing I do lo- really like about it is I, I really like that it shows you on screen as you're talking to it uh, just how quickly and accurately it's transcribing what you say. And it, it gives you visual feedback for almost anything that you ask it to, which is pretty neat. So it's a really good use of the screen, and the interface is much better designed than um, either the Echo Show or the Echo Spot. Even though it's a product I just lauded for like five minutes, like the Google Home Hub is way, way better at that. Um, and also, like for smart home control stuff, like it would be really cool. Like where, like you, all you have to do is just swipe down from the top of the screen, and you get access to all your smart home stuff. So if you have, um, and especially since it's a Google product, it integrates really, really well with all the Nest stuff. Um, so you can look at your Nest Cam, you can see any of that kind of stuff on it. Um, you can control your Hue lights and that kind of stuff uh, really, really easily. And you don't always have to do it by voice, which it's just kind of cool to have that other option. Yeah, I was going to say that I, I'm scrolling on the Google Home Hub page and the little demo that caught my eye was the integration with the the Nest Hello. That that would be kind of that'd be kind of neat to have. Yeah, so like it just it seems really really well thought out um 
And I, like, I, I'm still wondering if it's actually going to fit or stick or if I'm going to keep it. Like, I'm probably like not going to go through the trouble of returning it. But like, so right now it's a cool digital picture frame at my desk that has other smarts to it. But um, it's a it's a su- surprisingly high quality screen too. That was when I saw one over the, over the weekend for the first time in person. I was really really impressed at the resolution because I think like with like the Echo Show and Spot, like those are like they're not bad looking screens, but they're also not super high res. Whereas the Google Home Hub is you know what I would put in kind of a similar category as like a Retina type screen. Yeah, I, th- I think the Spot has a pretty good screen. The um, and the Spot also has a really good screen in terms of getting really, really dim at night. So I'm I'm, I'm biased in favor of that of it that way. The Echo Show, you are right, has kind of a pretty mediocre screen on it. Whereas the um, the Google Home Hub, the viewing angles on it aren't amazing, but it is in terms of clarity and that kind of stuff. It actually is probably kind of looks like an iPad Mini, like yeah, but pretty right. pretty decent. Right. Um, sound quality on it is 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 pretty all right. I do like this is not like a personal review feedback thing, but just something that Google talked about when they were introducing it is that they didn't for for uh, privacy sensibilities and just kind of uh, for consumer adoption reasons, they consciously didn't put a camera on it, which I think is pretty smart. Um, I don't know, like it it it's really cool and I want to like it, but I just. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I want to buy it. I, I think, especially when I saw it in person, I was really impressed with, again, the screen quality and just to kind of just the overall look. I think it's a really neat looking product. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I, I mean, you know me, like I, I will, especially when it comes to smart home stuff, I will make some <laughs> frivolous purchases. But I just, you know. I don't know. I, I I just can't think of a, a good solid use case for this thing. I, I really don't know what I'd use it for. The, is, is the integration be, with is that the be your answer to everything. That's why you won't get a, get a spot either. <laughs> I mean, I just look, look I just you can ask it how to cut. Uh, how, uh, hey Google, how to cut a pineapple? <laughs> um, I just I just feel like with the the um sonos one and the 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 two sonos ones and the beam that we have and you know literally basically being able to invoke lady in a can from any room in the house Mm -hmm. and that's the problem where like like to the point you're making when you're all in on a specific voice assistant ecosystem like you've already made kind of a whole home commitment where it seems weird to um what's the word uh like uh to like fork the like uh, the the ecosystem in your house wait what hmm <laughs> i didn't follow that like what what is the phrase the fork the ecosystem is not the right thing but um <laughs> um to like it's it's like if you were a company and you had uh it's like why why people don't want anybody to get max because like if you have 150 windows 10 machines and 10 of the creative types want max like you don't want to um yeah, you don't want to fork the ecosystem like you want to you want to keep it all the same thing you don't want google home in the living room and the bedroom and in the kitchen and the garage you have uh, 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 uh echo devices well because you're using that, different commands and stuff that 
Yeah, no, yeah, I think that's part of the consideration. Um, I think if there was a, a really compelling use case to have a screen, I could probably get around that. that that's that's the number one thing. Is I just it, the, with the way that I use the smart home stuff, the voice setup that we have works really well. I think if you got a show uh, like an Echo Show, if whenever well, actually didn't they just release a second gen version of that? I think so. Yeah, like I think that, or if like because I think your lady friend would probably actually like if like because if you just got the voice assistant just to passively show like family photos and stuff in a really elegant way and it just automatically up uploaded from your google photo libraries which is something this can do i think that's actually um for a multi-person household would actually be something that's really cool yeah i don't i don't think the lady friend's gonna go for that (laughs) It was already it was already a stretch to get these Sonos ones set up in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick real time follow up or complaint. Uh, odd thing uh, that I found out recently: uh, Google or it's not Google, Sonos One and Sonos Beam do not have Bluetooth. No, they don't. That's really weird and kind of upsetting. Well, Sonos is is all about the, you know the kind of the, the sonos ecosystem <laughs> the ecosystem of not letting me pair my phone <laughs> um yeah very, very 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 annoying um yeah anyway so google home hub neat if you're an android user or somebody who's all in on the google lifestyle it seems like i guess what i how i describe it it seems like a second gen product in a first gen product it seems very well baked or <laughs> fully baked um yeah so yeah otherwise everybody get an echo spot uh all right where where, where else do you want to go let's look through the list here see if there's anything maybe a little more time sensitive um i think the i guess maybe to go back to the Amazon side of things. I think the story about them putting in a bid for Disney's regional sports networks is super interesting. Cause there's like, yeah. there's always been like this idea that Google or Facebook or Amazon is like, someone's going to like make a big splash as you would say into the live mm-hmm. TV stuff and kind of specifically live sports. And there's, you know, there's been some stuff around the edges with like, Thursday night football and premier league soccer and some other things, but like this would be, this would be a huge thing if, if this actually ends up happening. Um, yeah, I, I almost don't even like know exactly what to make of it. Like it would be, it'd be a pretty big, a pretty big shakeup. Would it? I, I, so this is weird, but it feels like it's five years premature. Like I just, because there have been experiments where um, the NFL and stuff has like sold like a single game, like it's like you said, the Thursday night football thing where they have sold a game or two a season to um, I think they did it with Yahoo. Did they did it with Amazon MLB has had a thing where they've done a couple of games that you can only ugh, watch on Facebook watch gross. Like, I mean, it, it feels like this isn't worth it yet because the one thing that, um, people talking about with with all this cord cutting and cord shaving and all that kind of stuff is that sports is the one thing that's keeping people on traditional television 
and it's the one thing that people watch live and um, keeps their cable subscription going. So I just don't see where, like, would Amazon, if this actually were to be the case, would they continue to operate the traditional, like, um, like delivered by, uh, delivered by coax cable networks for like another ten years, or are they going to try to make it, um, um, make it online only immediately to try to like disrupt the market or or, or force people into adopting IPTV? Like it, it just feels not ready yet at all. Sure, they have the money to to um, to assume and control the rights, but this just feels like it'll work out poorly for consumers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's um, obviously still, I think, early stages, but I, there, there, there'd be, I think, it's a ton of questions that would get brought up if, if this actually goes through. Not the least of which is exactly what you just brought up, which is how does this even get delivered? Is this just part of your Amazon Prime subscription now? And you have to use a god-awful Apple TV app. Uh, yeah. Um yeah, because like it just doesn't like what like what are they gonna have the the what is it what does yes even stand for? Yankees Entertainment Yankee, Station. I think that so, can't be yeah. right. Um, presented by Amazon uh, uh, for Prime. So like I like I I just don't that's that seems weird. Be really hard to watch on a Echo Spot. <laughs> yeah, I forget you can watch YouTube on that thing. It makes no sense. Can you? You you can all the in Anderson Cooper's and uh and it's not made for circular TV. Did Amazon? What didn't Amazon and Google have a bit of a spat? Did they? Amazon and Google, literally Amazon, Google, and Apple—they're all frenemies, and they all won't let each other sit with them at lunch until they're okay with it because they're mad at the other one. Hmm. Yeah. Same thing where um <laughs> that was actually a story we didn't end up talking about, but we can talk about briefly now that um Apple and Amazon kind of finally made up where they um for the most part apple devices were never sold on amazon like they were always like maybe from third-party sellers sort of or apple would eventually maybe sell like some version of the ipod on amazon.com but now they made a deal where apple uh, where amazon will uh like ships and sold by amazon sell uh all apple stuff Except, drumroll please, the HomePod. So, like, I, I like, I think maybe they're making up. Like, they and I, maybe that was. Remember when the um, the Prime Video app was promised like three WWDCs ago, and then just was MIA forever. Mm-hmm. Like, wasn't part of that. Like that, Apple would start selling stuff on Amazon. Like, there were a whole bunch of things where, like, there was this weird Cold War and like negotiating tactic stuff where. They're trying to figure out what would actually make that happen. And I assume this um, Amazon.com sales relationship is also part of it, too. It was never confirmed. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think, a pretty safe assumption that that was involved. Yeah. yeah. And any cues sleeping through meetings and like just, I don't know, what are you, what's even going on there? <laughs> um, yeah. And then, yeah, well, we can talk briefly about this. Um, did you see the... Uh, profile of uh away in forbes i i did not get a chance to read uh that whole article but i i, I, I scanned it <laughs> yeah, you, gave, you gave it a new york lesson that's right is, or is that the thing or is the washington lesson yeah um yeah so this was actually pretty cool you'll put it in the show notes um 
So the title, the subtitle is How Two Young Entrepreneurs Used Relentless Online Marketing to Build a Way into a $700 million Luggage Brand. So it's actually a pretty cool um, uh, profile. Um, and it covers a lot of things that I think are interesting about the direct-to-consumer model that a ton of uh, VC money and advertising dollars are getting poured into. And I don't necessarily want to talk too much about the profile because like people can go read that. It's, it's worthwhile, but I don't think there's a whole lot to add beyond that other than um, just kind of the shocking realization that Away is almost a billion-dollar company. Um, but mainly, like, what are you happy with your away suitcase i am yeah i I used it this past weekend it um it doesn't it just doesn't hold quite as much as i wish it did (laughs) um i feel like with with the 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 kirkland bag i had had before it you know i had one hard shell side but then the other side was um like more of a cloth material it's easier to overpack many other bags yeah and i i find the um compression system like i don't know if i'm just dumb and don't know how to use it <laughs> but I, I don't i don't get the impression that makes a whole lot of difference when i'm packing um but overall i overall i i like it but it's 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 not like the greatest suitcase ever made or anything i don't think but it was well marketed for a couple of reasons you because you, you got it because it was it was it's a partnership with star wars so right. it was it was fashionable and functional for that and then they're just one of those brands that just advertises the hell out of it. Um, and, and overall, like it's, it's, I would say it's a pretty good product. I, I think, yeah, like on, like on the whole, like I think you're right where it seems like it holds less than other bags. Um, like my old carry on suitcase, which I think was probably like, God, my old suitcase was from before the TSA existed. <laughs> so therefore it was carry on size, but I think it was maybe if, if uh push came to shove and somebody was going to be like, uh, put it in the sizer, I probably would have gotten. Well, so that, yeah, to be fair to the away suitcase that technically that Kirkland bag that I had, it, it was, I, I'm pretty sure when I bought it, it was advertised as being like a carry on bag, but I think I did get challenged once or twice to put it in that sizer and it, it, Ooh. it technically was, was not. Quite oh, you, right. you got called out. Yeah. Oh man, that's pretty good. You, Especially when you, it was kind of overpacked, I think it it kind of <laughs> yeah, um, it kind of stretched stretched the limits a little bit. Yeah, the United Gate people uh, calling you out. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I think it, yeah, it was United. <laughs> <laughs> they seem like the stingiest. So yeah, um, uh, Spirit Airline service without the price. Um, yeah, so that's the thing. Well, so the, yeah, the, the away suitcase, I would say it's actually pretty good. I do like it's 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 changed the way that I pack in terms of um, I do like the the um, kind of segregated compartments where you can have like the um, clothes in one and like shoes and like um, like more uh, rigid stuff in another compartment and have that little middle layer. Like I, th- I think it's smarter packing um, than a lot of other bags offer. And if a couple of packing cubes is pretty good. But anyway, yeah, they're, they're... I, I I bought the packing cubes. I don't know if we ever talked about that on the show. Oh, you bought a, got... a way branded ones? Yeah. Hmm. I thought you were an Eagle Creek guy. I've got some of those, but the the nice thing with the set of away um, packing cubes, as you'd expect, is they're you know they're exactly sized to fit in the bag, so that makes for a really organized packing experience. Got it. But yeah, so like so away is pretty good, and I think it actually mostly lives up to the hype in terms of like their whole the podcast ad copy uh pre premium or what first class luggage at coach prices 
which still give give that copywriter an extra extra ham at dinner or a ham ham at Christmas. But like, so my question is, Away seems to be like the real deal for this industry. But there are also like eight, literally 8,000 companies doing direct to consumer, like, oh, here's why we're different and better than the, the staid old brands. So I guess I, I, what I wanted to know is what made, a, like, what makes Away in, in Casper, like, and people know the history with Casper on this show, but like, what makes certain industries and product categories more um, ripe for this type of, uh, internet brand where a lot of others aren't like what why, why does this make sense sometimes and not for others i don't know that's a, that's a really good question i mean i think i know yeah that's a good question I mean, part of it's finding a product category i think that people generally in the past have disliked but yes. have wanted to yeah so that so that that was actually my my like my main point when i when I was thinking about this is that like yeah like away and all this kind of stuff and Casper, even though Casper is less successful and it's it's not a good mattress they they capitalize on products where people aren't really sure why it's so expensive and they distrust the people who already make it it's like mattresses specifically where like there's like it's like five main brands, but they like it's it, it's super vague as why something costs six hundred dollars and something costs three thousand dollars, and you can never find the same bottle at two stores. And it's it's it all it feels it just feels in, it innately like you're getting screwed. And same thing with luggage. So I think that's kind of why it makes sense. But then like there's also like so you were you the person or is it somebody else that got um what's that suit startup? Uh, Indochino. Did you get one of those? Yeah, I did. Good experience or no? Really good experience. It not indicative of the general experience though because San Francisco is one of the few handful of cities where you can actually go into a showroom oh, so you and do go it up by mail. Yeah. Exactly. Like I I'd be really hesitant to take all the measurements myself and send those in even though you know they do adjustments and everything for free if it ends up not working out, but to me, that was a big part of the experience was being able to go in person to do the measurements. So, yeah, my my experience there is not, yeah, not not indicative of I think what most people get to do with them. Yeah, so th so that's a that's an interesting actually because I think that's probably maybe like the, <laughs> the opposite of my example, like where I feel like the clothing startups, at least the the male focused ones, like I think there's a lot of. Um, like what is a, a what are the like there's a whole bunch of things where i i forget the name of any of them because like most of them are um focused towards a, a female consumer but the ones where like they'll send you just like five outfits like based sti off of, stitch fix is that's like what the big it is one. Yeah, yeah the the katrina like one like where yeah she like they will send you based off like they're alleged like they they purportedly will sorry allegedly sounds nefarious uh they will uh like learn your style and and preferences and that kind of stuff and then send you five uh outfits or stuff that they think you'll like and then you keep whatever you want like that that stuff seems like i don't know like i've heard a lot of people say that that can go either way and then there's that whole like what what, what are the hundred dollar shirts that are made to be untucked or something that rich people wear Untuck it. Yeah, that's like it feels. I don't know, like. I feel like clothing is one of those ones that is maybe less successful, or maybe there's um, 
the the consume like the people who actually buy it aren't nearly as happy as um with other things like i, I don't know like and, and and harry's and all that kind of stuff like i assume like they're they're in target i assume they're doing fine but yeah it's like it's it's so weird of what what succeeds and what fails in this type of thing because you just you just walk down hay like hay street or chestnut street in san francisco and you, and you just see like there's just a billion brands all claiming to have reinvented the wheel and, and managed to to eliminate the middleman. There does, with all of these types of products, there does seem to be a little bit of an advantage with kind of the, the first mover advantage, mm-hmm. where like with luggage, there's been a million copycats, but you kind of still think of a way. With mattresses, there's been a gajillion copycats. <laughs> Yeah. And you still mostly think of Casper, although I, I, it is pretty competitive there, but I, I'd still think Casper is kind of top of mind for a lot of people. And I think like Stitch Fix, which I brought up a minute ago, is another good example where with this kind of um, tailored clothing experience, I think Stitch Fix is still what most people think of. Custom suits, I think Indochino is really popular. So there is something to be said about kind of who gets there first even going like further back in time not quite the same thing but but similar like with nest and thermostats product category that people generally don't like a, a product category this is the other main point i think yeah. i make with all this stuff too is just a product that nobody had ever like stopped and like put a lot of thought into and mm-hmm. like really thought through every detail like with the away suitcase, like the one thing you can really say for it is it's very, very well thought out. It's very well designed. Like I, I don't think it's like the absolute perfect bag, but it's it's very meticulously thought through. There's a story for why through. why it is the way it is. Like it, it's considered, whereas you maybe the uh, like <laughs> a Costco suitcase, you'd maybe like it's probably pretty okay, but it, maybe they didn't sweat every detail, or there's not a reason why something is the way it is exactly um and like with like the nest you know like comparing that experience to most traditional thermostats or even some of the other like kind of an air quote smart ones that are out there now it's just it's it's so darn smart compared to everything else that's out there so no i don't know know where i was going with that no no, i think that's that's super smart or that like that that makes sense is that like it's like either something like, yeah, that goes like right along like with my point. Like it's like either people feel like they were like that it was an industry where like they were, they didn't really see a whole lot of value from it that they were getting screwed or it's something where it's a product like just, that just wasn't like people were churning out just the same old thing and nobody was actually trying to approach it to make it either more user-friendly or just, just better. And whether or not the actual new products that are getting made fulfill that goal like these do feel more well considered. And you and you'd kind of expect that because these are companies who largely make one product or maybe make a couple of products. Um which speaking of which, I don't know when's the last time you've looked at the Away website. Oh, they make everything um, now. But man, everything else they make other than the actual suitcases and the packing cubes like the the backpack as an example. Oh yeah, they they have like a Timbuktu little like knockoff like could like uh because they have their little TSA compliant thing that fits through the little roller thing. Yeah, but it that, like the backpack is really ugly. Well, like, it looks I, like, well. Sorry, what is Away's website? Because apparently Away dot com goes to orbits. It's awaytravel dot com. Got it. Um, no the the backpack thing. I think that's because have you 
Have you heard of this thing called Everlane? No, that doesn't sound familiar. It's a thing in the fucking everybody in San Francisco is losing their minds over. Like you can Google it, Everlane.com. It's a thing where they just make super, super basic things. And just allegedly, it's it's sustainably sourced and and all the the stuff that makes people feel good. But I think that's what it is, where they're just trying to make the world's like simplest bag, and that's kind of what they're doing. Like, let me. Well, actually, Everlane stuff looks slightly more. Um... Actually, no, it does. It does look almost exactly like this. I'll send you a link in the thing. Um, there we go. Like, yeah, I think they're just trying to go super, super basic with it, which I get that aesthetic, and I think that can work with the bag. But, like, I mean, is the Away backpack supposed to be your everyday backpack? Probably not. I think, I think it can be, but, like, a key well, difference is... who would want is... this? This looks, this looks like, you know, the second grader's backpack. It might as well say Jansport on it. <laughs> but the key difference is, like, this Everlane bag that you sent me is 68 bucks. How much is this one? That, the $200? Yeah. What? For a for like a minimalist backpack, like I, I am, you know, I'm definitely, and I, I think I'd put you in this category too, <laughs> not shy to spend a little bit of money on a nice bag. I think that's that's a perfectly reasonable investment. But I mean the away bag is is pretty simple looking and it's fairly minimalist, so paying two hundred dollars. I thought this was like eighty dollars. No, right. I'm out. Yeah. Because the thing, like I am jeez. Oh, we we can check the the messenger bag graveyard, or you can just search my Gmail for messenger bag yeah. and see a lot of shameful receipts. But like, I I am totally willing to spend a whole ton of money there just because that's something that I interact with like multiple times a day. And usually when I'm stressed, like kind of like if you, if you're getting ready in the morning, you're leave like you just need to go. Like I mean, having a bag that actually works well and fits well and, and is something that you like using that's actually very very important. But yeah, two hundred dollars for the world's plainest bag. I'm, I'm actually no. I'm sorry, away. And and it doesn't come in green. What what is this? No. What are we even doing? Yeah, but on uh on the cute side of away, they they sell this thing, which I, which I can't bring myself to buy because it seems like it's a gigantic waste of money. But um, they have uh this little mini away suitcase. It's more of just like a toiletry bag, um, and probably not a very good one. But it's cute. It looks like a little away suitcase, and it's thirty five dollars. But no, if it if it was actually a functional toiletry case, I would one thousand percent buy one of these things because I think they're super super neat looking. But yeah, I just don't think it would be very functional. Mm-hmm. Like if it was like a little drink kit. Like if it had like a little like a like a like a little cocktail shaker in it. Like that that would be cool. As like a, a gift to get people, but otherwise it it doesn't really fit its purpose as a um as like a travel thing, right? Yeah. Unless you were giving it to your like to, to your dog or to your pet to try to be like, oh, hey, here's his suitcase, and <laughs> <laughs> just set treats in it. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, direct to consumer stuff. Yeah, that it's weird. And eventually, Amazon will decide that if any of these businesses get too big, that they'll just make their own thing because Amazon Basics doesn't actually mean anything, and they have so much market dominance and logistical power that they can just run anybody out of business. Yay! Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Chef Special. Yeah, let's do it. All right, you first. Um, I I don't remember if I've ever made this a pick on the show. Um, it's kind of crazy if I haven't, but. Um, this is both a 
kind of a long-term use product for me and one that I actually just bought again recently because I now have one at the office and one at home. And this is the Logitech or Logi, as I guess they go by now, mm. um, MX Master Mouse. The, um, the Ergo version or the regular one? The why well, I, I didn't I guess I didn't know there was an Ergo version and a regular one. The one that I have is very comfortable, so maybe it's the <laughs> Ergo one. Um, but it is just a tremendously great mouse. Again, I've been using it at work for the last couple of years. Now that I've been working at home a little bit more, I wanted another one for home. So I, a couple of weeks ago, bought one for here at the house. And it's just, it is just, oh, it's it's the best. It's so comfortable. It's super functional. Battery life is great. It's just a, it's just the best mouse I've ever used. Interesting. No, um, uh, friend of the show and multi- Multi multi pad lifestyle um, pioneer Mike Hurley talks about this this a lot. He had this, and then he also had the the Ergo version that came afterward. And yeah, a lot of people tend to really really like it. And he always raved about how customizable the keys were, and that made editing and logic and stuff super super easy. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't gotten into that. Um, I should. I'm still not seeing like an Ergo version versus a regular version. Logitech MX Ergo. Yeah, search MX Ogo or Ergo. I think leave out the master. Okay, let me let's try this here. So Logitech, Logitech Ergo, M MX Ergo, or what? What mm -hmm. am I searching for? MX Ergo. Yeah. Um. Okay, so no, I don't. I don't <laughs> you have. Don't, that. You don't. You don't seem like you would. You're the kind of trackball kind of guy. Yeah, I don't. I, I do not have the trackball, but I mean the. I would describe the shape of just like what I guess is the regular MX Master to be very ergonomic. Nice. Um, did you get it on a good deal, or you, or you just really like it, and therefore it's just, yeah, it it's was whatever it was it like it was like one of those Amazon gold box days because I had <laughs> I had been like um, I had been kind of wanting one for home, but like they're not super expensive, but they're also kind of not like impulse buy territory. Um, so I've been thinking about it for a while and then when it was on the, the Amazon one day sale, it was on, it was like 25% off or something. So I thought, okay, yeah, this is the time to do it. Neat. Um, so I have two ish. So these, these are, um, I don't really know where this came from. I, I just couldn't think of anything, but I'm going to bring up one that I've been meaning to bring up for a while. Have you ever been somebody who's had difficulty finding a wallet? That you like? Yes, God, please make a wallet recommendation. Yes, yeah, so here we go. So, apparently, the one that I have is it's been discontinued, but there's a new-ish version, and I will tentatively recommend it. So, what I have is called the the Bellroy Lowdown, and apparently, the new version is just called the Low. But it's very, very good. Um, oh, I've had a I've had a Bellroy in the past. Yeah, so I really like this one in that it's it's. Actually, no, this one has double the card slots. I don't like this now. Okay, but the version I have only has two card slots in the front, and then it has card slots on the inside, which is nice. But it makes for a very, very, very thin, slim... Actually, yeah, this this one... So if you look at the product page and you look at the um, the fifth image, it'll show you where, yeah, on the inside where you would normally put um, paper bills, you have two 
little card slots on the inside. So it still makes it really easy for you to keep like your clipper card and stuff on the inside of it. Keep your ID in the other one, the two most commonly used credit cards um, in the front ones. Like it, it's it's really good and really small when I generally hate every other wallet. So that one's pretty good. And then if I'm ever, I have another one of theirs, but I don't actually end up using it that often. It's called the card sleeve, but, um, or no, it's called the micro sleeve. I, I had a Bellroy um, years ago. I forget why I ended up not using it anymore. But yeah, this looks this looks nice. Yeah, so like w- wallets are hard, but um, yeah, to to pick a right one, it's, it's very much like a messenger bag. And I'm not one of those jackasses that, that that obsesses over. Sorry, nerds, but people who will just get super, 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 super fussy about what they carry around. Like, but like, I I just I just want a, like a, a a slim, decent wallet to carry two credit cards, an ID, and a and a, and a transit pass, and then. Uh, and then a messenger bag that holds a camera and a laptop and that's it. I'm, I'm a, I'm a simple man. Yeah, no, this, this, this looks really nice. The color selection is not the best, but so yeah, that's the thing in the time since I got mine, they've, they've changed it. Um, like the, tr- the traditional black wallet looks, looks perfectly fine, but then like, I don't know that like wallets are like the kind of thing where like, kind of like my suitcase where I think having a unique colors actually both just nice and also highly functional. Um, but yeah, these other three colors that they've got Navy, Java and caramel or caramel, as you would say. And it just all three, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I don't love that. The one that I have is, um, like a nice graphite or like a silver, like dark silver color on the outside. And then it's in its traditional, like brown leather on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's that. Anyway, and then also the other thing that's actually a holdover from like a travel pick that I don't think I ever um, recommended. And I, I, this is a brand that I see people with a lot and that I've never actually like really cared about, but it was fairly inexpensive on Amazon and it turned out to be good. Uh, it is the um, Herschel Supply Riverside Passport Wallet. And uh, people can people can look that up on Amazon, but it's 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 pretty good. It's just a simple passport sleeve um, that is just very nice, and it was thirteen dollars on Amazon. The one, so the so the one that I'm looking at on Amazon's fifty dollars. So this this must not be. Oh no! So that's oh. what it is. Oh, that's sorry. That's the price when I bought it because I bought a color that allegedly was unpopular. That's exactly mm. right. Um, actually, no, it is not that one. So hold on, let me. Uh, how do I how do I get a thing on here? Uh, do the thing. Okay. So it's this one. So it's even simpler than that. Cause all I want out of a passport holder is a thing that you can slide your passport into and literally nothing else. It has, doesn't have to do anything. It's not going to replace my wallet. I just want a thing where like the passport is protected and that's it. Yeah. The, the lady friend has one of these too. Not, I mean, not this exact one, but a passport holder. I don't, I don't get these. <laughs> no offense. Like, I, I don't know why my passport <laughs> needs to be held in something. I just, I don't want it just floating around. Like, I don't know. Like, I just think this, it feels nicer. It feels more secure. It, it, uh, mentally confers a level of, um, importance is the wrong word, but I do want it like, yeah, I don't want it like, cause I'm somebody who likes field notes. Like, I don't want my wallet or my, my passport just rattling around in my messenger bag. Like it's a field notes notebook. 
which is why I like this. Yeah, I know that probably doesn't make any sense, but um, yeah, this is very this is very nice. Hmm. I want and I and this came up because I wanted to get the Bellroy equivalent of this, but it was ninety five dollars and fuck that. Yeah. Um, because yeah, for something I don't use all that often, uh, yeah, it's not worth it. But yeah, this this turned out pretty pretty great. 